Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Morningstar. And my God, what an episode we have for you today. I heard the birds chirping, a.k.a. the tweets I've received. Interview Joe Jorgensen, they said. And what do I do? I provide what the people want. So this episode will mainly be my interview with Libertarian candidate for president, Joe Jorgensen. You can make up your own mind. It's Decision 2020. Interesting interview. Uh, definitely libertarian yes uh, for better definitely. and for worse but i feel like she did a good job presenting her views and uh, yes so you can decide for yourself and uh, more voices uh, the better in politics so that we can uh, continue to learn from another uh, from one another and choose uh, the path well, that we believe this country should go down uh, properly i think you might get some blowback for not asking the most pertinent i am question. sorry travis good god joe jorgensen was Bit by a bat. Bit by a bat. I know I did not bring up the fact that Joe Jorgensen was bit by a bat. I was trying to talk about things like criminal justice reform that actually matter, but yes. And on the call, she declined to do video, and I have to imagine it's oh because my. she was hanging from the ceiling with her new <laughs> bat talons. Do not diss the guest, Travis. You said you were not going to diss the guest. Do not diss the guest. Joe Jorgensen, thank uh, you for coming on uh, the show and presenting your uh, worldview and what you would do if you were elected president specifically, uh, of course, uh, promoting the libertarian uh, platform. So before we get to that interview, we do have a few other things to get to. Number one, this town needs an enema. Uh, we did decide that was Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yes. And uh, that was a saying from Jack Nicholson yeah. in the Joker. I say it regularly. And Travis was like, where is that from? So just so you know, if you hear me say this, this town, town needs, needs an enema, it's the Joker, and Jack if, Nicholson. If you Google uh, this town needs an enema, one of the first questions that it auto uh, suggests is, what does this town needs an enema mean? What does it mean? Well, it means, according to this answer um, by Anonymous, uh, it says <laughs> it would mean filling the town's rectum with liquid. Look at that. Okay. So that, we got that well, out of the way. This country needs an enema, and one of the things that needs to be flushed out of this country is conspiracy thought, conspiracy theory, uh, that has permeated itself into the highest highest branches of the United States government. Let's talk about QAnon. Yeah. So Travis brought this to my attention 
absolutely fascinating. Obviously, QAnon has rotted the brains of millions of Americans. Who the hell is behind QAnon? Yeah. And what is the most recent update, well, Travis? Right, that's the big question. Who is Q? Who's Who is Q? Doing? Who the hell is Q? I think as the years go on, we're going to find that Q is just any number of just just gormless dweebs in the world. Because huh. the latest update on QAnon is uh, the person behind the website QMap.pub. And I don't know if you're QMap.pub? You may not be familiar with this. I am not familiar and with it. And I was it. not. But this is sort of like the the big sacred text. The oh, what, did, what did you call it? Uh, the, the Traveler. Uh, it reminds me of that book, Pilgrim's Progress, which I was forced to read as a child. Yes. Where you're on a quest and you're trying to find, I believe, the Lord. Well, it is it is like a um, like a like a medieval tapestry okay. of of Q's journey and like all the different elements. There's even a there's like an enemies and like a friends and foes section. So you <laughs> You know, like this is there. Y'all, there will be dragons here, but for like liberals and, and pedophiles. Okay. Uh, so this was this giant compendium encyclopedia of QAnon knowledge of okay. all this grand high high minded knowledge and uh, the sacred scrolls of QAnon. It turned out the person behind this was exposed because of they accidentally included. Uh, their address in an app called Armor, Armor of God, which was about to be released on the Google Play Store. Okay. Um, but so, so this, this is QMaps.pub. Yeah. And, and he, we found out because there was an app called Armor of God that this person was going to release their address. But they accidentally put their address in the contact part of that. <laughs> so the guy, okay. the guy, ha- he just turns out to be this IT guy that works, that happens to work for a transnational crime syndicate called Citibank. You say crime syndicate, I say hoarder of my money and exactly. I'd like to get it back, please, so I don't criticize them. So, I'm actually a Chase Bank. That's my crime syndicate of choice. This is, I mean, for me, this is so surreal to find out that one of the guys, one of the main guys behind this uh, huge website that yes. influences so many people on a daily basis, and many people think of it as the sort of Google of QAnon. It's just a dude named Daryl. It's who a you... dude named uh, Jason Galanis okay. who lives in North Jersey, and uh, and he makes that he makes that. Commu- that's Q. That's well, that is a part of Q. That is a guy. That, Jason Galanis. The thing is, as soon as he was found out, the website goes down. Q, okay. Qmap.pub goes down, and so does uh, Armor of God. It gets it gets. There's no more Armor of God app, uh, which would have been like passing around prayers, but also like. It would have been I pictures of like Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, rightfully so, being a being a uh, you know being a horrible person going eating into that some eating salon. some zaw, getting some slice of zaw. Well, that's if not who cares about that. But um, so that that all went down, and then the guy just vanished. The guy just said, "I'm not doing this anymore." So that is okay. Basically, you can be Q. As long as you know how to build a website and you know how to like, <laughs> you know how and, to use a Squarespace. And I think this is important. Because people have, you know, fetishized and fantasized about Q and all of the followers are super intense. They have a, speaking of religion, almost religious-like fanaticism about Q. These are the people who are behind it. This is the wizard. This is the emperor has no clothes. This is when you pull the curtain back. This is the little man screaming into a microphone that everyone thinks is God. That is why this is important. Because that is who is doing this. It's just a dude in North Jersey. I'm not even dissing people in North Jersey. I don't even particularly hate this person other than the fact that they have chosen to do something that is extremely detrimental to society 
But that who is that's who is behind this stuff. It is not some massive government conspiracy. It is it is Daryl from freaking Poughkeepsie. Yeah, he like gets angry at the printer in his office and then decides to stoke hatred on a QAnon site. Meanwhile, he's not doing what he should be doing at Citibank, trying to wire some money for you. Yeah. So you're just sitting there waiting in line. Hopefully they have coffee. This is like the My Stapler guy from Office Space having a like extremist website that he, that he is the, the admin for. Like, my Stapler. My, my adrenochrome. Well, I mean, you know, leave Milton alone. And if you do know someone at the office that might be a little bit lower in IQ, maybe they work in IT. Be nice to them because they will burn down the freaking office. And as we're seeing, people like this man are trying to burn down this country with conspiracy like Q. The it is very unsettling the like hyper anonymous nature of this person being outed because there was a part of me that was like, okay, there is whoever's behind some of these bigger QAnon sites, they must have some connection to the actual uh, power, and like this is why they're they're pushing their own agendas. Right. The innocuousness of this particular man who just said, oh, "I'm done with this game." As soon as he was caught, he's no longer part he's of it. He's done with the he's game. He's done. Ah, they caught me. I'm. A, I'm not going to play this game anymore. He just put it aside, like Breath of the Wild, when I could not beat the first Water Blight Ganon. That's kind of what I did with the new Resident Evil remake of Resident Evil Three. I can't get when past games Nemesis. Too, when games are too hard. Oh, Nemesis. When Nemesis just like broke through a brick wall in this remake, I just like, I'm done with this game. I can't do it. Uh, but that's what's kind of scary. It's it's somebody who just wants it and is able to do it. Somebody who's able just... to do, like an IT guy who just knows how to build a website and he knows uh, how SEO works and he knows how to like get traffic to this particular site. And, and like, they just fla- like to play the game and they like to play the role of some kind of shadowy messiah. And of course, uh, they can't live in the shadows when they are exposed in the light. All things done in the darkness will be exposed to the light. And I think that is just, again... That story, I think, is really interesting. Just put that into perspective. Put that in your brain and smoke it. Because that's who's behind this stuff. You know, and I there's so much mental illness in this country. And it's, it is, ramif- the ramifications are becoming more and more obvious as we go on. Yeah. This person, whether they be mentally ill or preying on people who are mentally ill, um, as soon as they are exposed, because they know what they're doing is bullshit, they go. They leave. No. You know, yeah. cockroaches know they're not supposed to be in your kitchen. So as soon as they see the light on, they flee. I mean, that is, I don't know if they know they're not supposed to be in the kitchen because I do have a burrito in the fridge right now that is probably fairly tasty to yeah, all you creatures, leave, including you, myself. You leave like welcome mats to. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so QMaps.pub is gone. Is gone. And the man behind it is just a dude who works at Citibank in Jersey. But so in the grand scheme of reminder. it, you know. A new one will pop up tomorrow. Of course, of so that course. is the sh- the shape shifting nature of this means yeah. that any villain that you like, oh, we've we've uncovered this person. It doesn't matter because they're part of sort of a uh, an amorphous blob that is that just enjoys uh, manipulating people. Absolutely. All right, there you go. It's just a little reminder of the. Uh Humanity yes. behind QAnon. Yes. It's not again the humanity. The yeah. humanity. Oh, it the is humanity. Just a dude works <laughs> Citibank. Okay, but let's get to something real here. Travis and I were talking before the show about Donald Trump. One of his executive orders that we have discussed in the past, the payroll tax cut. Uh, 
Interesting information coming out about the payroll tax cut right now. Of course, this in, this involves federal employees and people in the military. Yes. So it doesn't involve, you know, if you work at Citibank, for example, this probably doesn't really have much to do with you. But it's an interesting um, insight yes. into the political mind of Donald Trump. And let's just get into a little well, bit so, of information with that. And again, this is um, August 17th. Trump went to Bedminster, New Jersey. New Jersey is a lot of New Jersey information here. New Jersey here. is actually, you know, people criticize it. I've driven through it many times. It's actually a very pretty state. Yes. I like it, Jersey. And it is where they set the show, uh, What Would You Do? with David Canones. What? Uh, where he goes around different diners and he asks, what would you do? No Did kidding. You, the ones where it's like, this guy's about to pass out. Yes. And then, and then they're like, but he, and he shat himself. <laughs> would you wipe would his you, butt? Would you wipe his butt? Like, what would you do? And then <laughs> that you're like, you're, so you're, uncomfortable. you're wiping the guy's butt. Yeah. And then David Canones comes out and says, hey, I just want to say you're a good guy. You're for a good this guy. guy's ass. You're a good guy. Uh, and it's also where Kitchen Nightmares uh is a lot of Kitchen Nightmares, the American versions. Thank Uh, God for Gordon Ramsay. He's an American hero, even though he's British. I I also consider him an American hero. He, uh, in one episode, I watched him uh, bring out an entire staff of this restaurant, and he all he did was throw their silt their um their plates against a brick wall, and he said, <laughs> "These these plates are garbage," and he just Yay! hated the plates so much, and the like people the staff was crying. It was great. Hey, man, like, the plates were garbage. Anyway, you got to throw them against anyway, a brick wall. So Trump, okay. so Trump, he gave those four executive orders. Yes. I guess you know one of them was an actual executive order. The rest were memos. One of the memos was this payroll tax cut. Okay, and. We're seeing some of these uh, these four things that he put forward come to fruition. The payroll tax cut started on September 1st, and it was mandatory for federal employees and servicemen okay. and women. Uh, so if people in the military, they got this payroll, this mandatory payroll tax cut. So their paychecks are going to seem larger going forward, and they end. This ends December 31st. Now, and so obviously, Donald Trump being Donald Trump and politics being politics, that was a big uh, positive, right? Your paychecks are going to be bigger. You're going to have more money. Thank you, Donnie. Thank you, Mr. Trump. But what's the catch then, Travis? Well, this is, you know, this is very much like the, what would you call it? Like the Hollywood stuff. You know, where you put the... <laughs> the Hollywood stuff, that's insider information. <laughs> Hollywood stuff. Good Lord, Travis, you're blowing my spot up. This is... Between this, you, Henry, and Marcus, can I keep one freaking secret? <laughs> this is like when you you go on stage and you put like a wadded <laughs> tissue in your I groin area. I put a little tissue because it's fun. I've been doing it since the first performance we ever did. It's called the Hollywood stuff. Uh, I didn't know it was a... I didn't know it was a Kissel trademarked thing. But of course it I is. I thought it was a thing. I thought Nobody it was a thing Nobody does did. that. Well... Maybe you, Ozzy Osbourne. This is very much like the Hollywood stuff. Stuff because so, so military members and federal employees see this pump, this bump in their paycheck and they associate it. <laughs> I see how you roughly got. It. I see what you did and it barely makes my, sense. But how, I'm allowing that's it. That's how my mind works. But uh, so yeah, so these uh, employees and these um, these military people see this bump and they associate it with Trump being a great president, or so he thinks. Right. Now the problem is, and by the way, employee employers across the country can now opt in for the payroll tax cut to make their employees paychecks rise as well. Okay. The problem is uh say say uh Trump doesn't get elected okay. in uh in November. Well, that money is going to be repaid in April of 2021 by the person who got the bump. By who pers- yes. So all that so, money that you got and you're like, "Wow, I have extra money." Do not spend that money because you are going to be paying it back in April. So they're going to and obviously, this is going to be taken immediately from people's paychecks. It will be another tax, basically, that these people will be paying to pay back uh, this, I guess, what is, for all intents and purposes, a government loan. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
so that is really interesting. So when we talk about what's wrong with the American political system and we talk about the carrot and the stick, they give us such a small amount of dignity. Yeah. They they think that we are so we are such peasants. We are such plebes. Give them a little bit of money and they're going to vote for me and if they don't vote for me, then they're going to have to pay so much money back. It is such a disgusting view of governance and it's such a disgusting way right. to govern. So the the implicit thing here being Trump saying if I'm elected, you won't pay it back. But if not, you're going to be So this is just it's bribery. Yeah. It is literally just bribery yeah so like which is of course something that conservatives libertarians again we're going to uh, be speaking with uh joe jorgensen here in a second this is antithetical to what conservatives or republicans are supposed to represent yes. when it comes to the government providing unless of course you stop supporting said government and now it's time for you to literally pay and so now you have you have employers who maybe want to give employees a little bump because of the actual hellscape that we're currently in. So maybe like if you're an employer, you're like, man, I, I, I would like to see my employees to have a little bump. But if that employee then leaves, say, January, sure. um, that is going that's on the head of the employer to pay yes. that. Uh, and, and, and if you're if you're a service member, if you're in the military and you get this pay rise, this little pay bump. And let's just say, for, hypothetically, you're honorably discharged in the next year. Or dishonorably discharged if you're a transgender person. Exactly. Well, and then you not, are... Not to be like, oh, like, hashtag woke, but that is just a fact. Exactly. That is yeah. true. Uh, that's the kind of thing that happens. And yes. so you will be you will be paying that bill later next year right. uh, or early in the next year, rather. That is, uh, and again, you know, the holidays are coming. This is just so classic. We've seen this before. Uh, this is... This and is this, a political. We are pawns in this political game. By of the way, checkers. This is not forty chess. This is simple as checkers. In the grand scheme of things, this is our entire government's response to the pandemic right now. Well, and because it, the Senate and the House they were on recess for a very long time. Now I they're know not. They were playing, and they are absolutely nowhere near another that st- we are not going to get a stimulus plan no. in all likelihood no we definitely won't the democrats just stopped uh the republican plan and vice versa and again we are all so, stuck and screwed these trump like temporary uh like spider-man band-aids that we're getting yes. uh in the form of supposed tax cuts that we'll, we'll then pay later yes um that is all we can hope for before the end of the year. And uh, again, we're going to get to the interview here in a second, but uh, we'd, we'd be remiss not to talk about what was a big mainstream media story uh, when it comes to Bob Woodward's new book, uh, another book, uh, Donald Trump. Apparently, he told him in February that he knew that the pandemic, COVID, was going to be super bad, but he wanted to downplay it because he thought it was going to be bad for him politically. People pretended like this was news. Uh, we know this. Donald Trump has said as much on television. Uh, he says as much on Twitter. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I am so conflicted on this where it's like, yeah, I know. Like, I 100% believe you, Bob Woodward. Also, like, can you not? Why are like, he and John Bolton and all these people profiting off of Donald Trump lies are also part of the big problem yeah Bob like Woodward the fact that is John an absolute Bo- scumbag well the fact I, mean, I don't i don't even want to say that but like the fact that john bolton waited to write his book and he'd be like and it's massive national security concerns please god if if you have any concern for this country just tell the truth immediately stop trying to profit off of Donald Trump's presidency because that is the sickness well, that we have in this country right now yeah. where even though 
they might be an- the anti-Trump market is huge. Yeah. And that is why when Donald Trump says CNN, MS- that's not an impression of Donald Trump. But he's like <laughs> CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, they want me reelected. He isn't lying. Yeah. Like though the the amount of people that like this drama, those people that are dividing our country, mainstream media dividing our country, they see this as a massive boom for if them it, as well. If it bleeds, so, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. So Bob Woodward, thank you for Woodward and Bernstein. Thank you for everything you did with Watergate. I know you are a, a journalist of the highest regard, but please, God, be no, a human I, first. I hope, and they, if, I hope if this you proves sit, that he that Bob Woodward ain't shit. Like I, he, this, I mean, honestly, but he. I, and, and, and fuck Trump. <laughs> you know, also, like, just to clarify, yes, this is something that we know. And if that is still a, um, if that is still up for debate in the minds of anyone, I don't know what to tell them at this point. Yeah. Donald Trump has been saying since day one, this is bad for me politically. Uh, and that has been the play. That is why we have a politicized pandemic. That is why we can't even agree on science. And, of course, we speak a little bit about that with Joe Jorgensen, who really hammers home the whole haircut thing and and whatnot, kind of playing on uh, what happened uh, a few months ago in Michigan, where they stormed the uh, the governor's office and the, uh, and the and the and the Capitol and they aimed guns at all the politicians, which, by the way. I'm for. I think every politician should have a gun aimed at their head as they legislate. Maybe we can finally get some things done. But that is the game. Yeah. That is the play. And it's going to be up for us. It's it's up to us to decide if if we think that that strategy where we are being I, divided purposely and where people are being uh, led astray yeah. purposely for political gain of one person, if that's the country we want to live in, then we will we'll have a decision on November third. I but I just to go back to Bob Woodward, I absolutely have the desire to one day be as shameless as him to because he knew the. You know, they talk about the flu and as compared to the coronavirus, how it's 1% mortality as opposed to 5 in or in February. This is what they were talking about, how right. it being airborne. Yes. If he had released that statement as like obvious to us now as it seems that that, that Trump was lying, right. uh, that really would have saved so many lives because sure. we right. had no we had no governance and that was why right. every state became their own autonomous coronavirus zone. And that's why all the governors were trying to figure you know, like what is my neighbor doing as opposed to what I'm doing? If we had some confirmation from a from a Bob Wood, Woodward uh, that this is in fact a lie and we need to uh, we need to protect ourselves to the greatest extent, right? That would have saved thousands of lives. But instead, and, he wanted to sell his shitty book, which is not even getting good reviews. Like, <laughs> apparently, it was written hastily, and he like. Of course, it the- is. It's his third book during the Trump administration. It took Marcus two years to write a damn book. I'm sure the next one will be will be faster, um, or not. It takes time to write good things. But he just yeah. And John sa- Bolton's book was the same freaking way. You know, it's it's just yeah. Stop. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. The um, American safety in American lives is is paramount to your stupid ass book. But then on the other hand, Trump's Trump is using this uh, as an excuse to say, "Well, Bob Woodward didn't stop me." So exactly, what does that say? Children is what it says. <laughs> Grown ass. If Bob children. Woodward didn't stop me, then I must have been doing it right. And I guess in his mind, that probably does. Kind no, of does. confirm something for him. No, I guarantee you. And his supporters are like, yeah, if it was such a big deal, he would have said something. Then why didn't this big, you know, this big liberal oh, good Lord stop Almighty. him? Good Lord Almighty. I don't believe they waited to sell the book during Watergate. I think they just broke the damn story. I think they just broke. I think it, time was of the essence yeah. uh, for and Watergate. It, and I think time is of the essence. 
uh, now. Yeah. And just lastly, before we get to the interview with Joe Jorgensen, again, libertarian candidate for president, I do want to address a story that we kind of didn't go into great detail on last week. Um, but I do, I, I got a few messages being like, hey, you got to kind of just sort of breezed over. I do want to sort of just revisit a little bit. The Navy in Bahrain, there is human trafficking happening. That is a very serious story. Um, it must be addressed and those people have to be held accountable. Uh, of course, these are women in Bahrain being trafficked by United States military members, well, this is which just- has to be addressed and, and needs to uh, be something that we take seriously. So I, I do just want to kind of... Uh, Speak on that just for a second. Well, and read that story, too, yes, because it is story. a multi-part series that I could not encapsulate at the end of an episode. But it is really the the problem is endemic because Bahrain is not like some hotspot for this necessarily. It's happening across the globe. With right. But the thing is that it's so crazy is that we spend so much money, taxpayer money goes directly to the military, and then there is a sort of international crime syndicate syndicate that's happening on our front and under our nose where these uh, these and- Navy men just become pimps across the world. Like and, and then it it is go it goes unaddressed and um yeah, it's an insane story. Look it's on the military times. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that story to yes. light because it is Shocking. And it is so surprising that it is only found on the Military Times as it should you know, be headline news. If folks honestly read the Military Times, it, it is great. really is interesting. It really is. Uh, it really is. Because, so, I mean, the military represents such a giant like part of our country so because we put so much emphasis on it yes, as a country and, and we put so much money into it. And now you have a part of our it's almost like um, the country of Texas was then like spread out all over the world or the, sorry it's almost like the state of texas was then dispersed uh, across the world like americans representing the world and, and when you have well these, i like the music yeah you but, know i like my outlaw music but uh little john who is the main character in this story he's not about <laughs> country music he's about human trafficking all right well that's not good and of course uh, that story is important, and uh, we must hold those people accountable. No one representing this country should be a part of any of those uh, nefarious activities. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Let's get to this interview with Joe Jorgensen. You may agree with her. You may disagree with her. Uh, I certainly have my own agreements and disagreements. And as you know, my style, it's not combative. Um, It's not combative. We're just, we're having a good conversation. And, uh, you know, I think that she represents the Libertarian Party fairly well. She beat Justin Amash. She beat some, you know, uh, I suppose, air quotes, credible politicians. She also beat 
uh, in the primary, my man, Vermin Supreme, who I, I have a boot. I wear it. I love Vermin. Uh, but this is who the Libertarian Party chose to nominate. It is Joe Jorgensen, and I think you'll find this interview to be uh, interesting. Yeah, and I think she has a very int- she has an interesting point about prisons. Uh, she yeah. I and mean, of course that's the libertarian. Like when it comes to policing, when it comes to demilitarization of the police, when it comes to prisons, uh, you know the Libertarian Party can be right on those things. And uh, yeah, she represents that. It was interesting. She did say something that I thought was fascinating when it comes to. One of the things the government should be in charge of is federal prisons, uh, which I think is counter to what Gary Johnson believed. He was more of a private prison guy. So there is always debate within the Libertarian Party, and I think debate is healthy. So let's get to this interview with Joe Jorgensen. Thank you so much for being on the show, Joe. I really appreciate having you here. Oh, thanks so much. Glad to be here. So I was just doing a bit of research and I noticed that you are a uh, you have a Ph.D. in industrial and organizational psychology. And obviously, when it comes to politics, psychology plays a massive role. We're seeing uh, this country sort of being uh, tore apart and, and uh, you know, stretched super thin when it comes to, you know, where people are with mental health and where people are when they view politics. So sort of an abstract question to start off before we get to some policy stuff. Where do you think your psychology background really helps you to understand where we are as an American people right now? And how do you feel like we need to adjust and go back to just having a little bit more sense of um, of community and in some ways a sense of decency? Well, I can tell you that uh, from my solid uh, psychology background and my training is that we are social animals. Right. Basically, you know, we talk about people being loners. You know, he was such a loner. Uh, actually, the loner gene has pretty much gotten out of the gene pool because in order to be here, your parents weren't loners. And I can right. tell you that this coronavirus shutdown is just really damaging. And we've seen that in the news. We've seen how there's increased rates of depression, suicide, suicide attempts all across the board. And that is just ridiculous that the government has us all under house arrest. We are not meant to, to uh, live like that. Well, we also have the situation. And of course, you know, when it comes to COVID, I, you know, everyone is doing what they can do in order to stop the spread. And I think everyone would agree that, you know, COVID is a it's a real virus. It's a, it's a real thing that is happening. And I think that you make a solid point when it comes to government reaction. Has that helped or has that hurt? You know, my I, I traveled across country d- during the middle of this pandemic. I wore my mask. I had my hand sanitizer. Everything has been fine. I've been trying to live as normal as possible. And I do think you bring up a good point about the psychology of what's happening right now with COVID. A lot of people are feeling uh, alone. This whole campaign, hashtag alone together. It's like, you can't be alone together. Don't tell me that. <laughs> when I was living in Brooklyn uh, for 15 years, I was there throughout most of this quarantine throughout 2020, and it really was psychologically damaging. How do you feel like the uh, campaign, your campaign specifically for president, how has that been impacted by this new reality where we're trying to juggle both balls in the air, being like, yes, COVID is real, but at the same time, is this is the government taking the proper steps? And of course, the entire issue begins with the failed leadership at the top with the Trump administration. Well, I think it's only helped our campaign because a lot of people are saying, you know what? 
government shouldn't have the right to lock us up. We're supposed to be the freest country on earth. And so the one place they can look to is the Libertarian Party, because they're certainly not going to get it from either the Democrats or Republicans. And I'd like to point out that about 75 percent of our volunteers are from outside the party because they're realizing that the old system just doesn't work. So what would be an approach that you would take? And I want to get back to psychology here as well. Specifically, I'm from Wisconsin originally, and I want to talk a little bit about Kyle Rittenhouse. Of course, this young man who uh, was 17 years old uh, shot uh, and killed two people. I mean, this was ridiculous what happened in Kenosha, the militarization of the police, which I also want to speak with you about. Uh, But when it comes to him, Kyle Rittenhouse specifically, my co-host and I, Travis Morningstar, We're discussing how he was 13 years old when Donald Trump took office. Uh, He hasn't experienced any other uh, political world, really, in a true sense, other than Trumpism. What do you think that plays into or how does that play into the mind of of a developing person when it comes to they see Donald Trump, they see his response when it comes to COVID, when it comes to, uh, you know, what's going on with, uh, you know, criminalization of of, uh, of of just every single aspect of our life. Basically, three felonies a day. Uh, there's a great book about how if you really want to track how many crimes you commit, you can commit crimes that you don't know you're committing. That's how they've written these laws. There's massive massive uh, room for interpretation and you can really criminalize human behavior however you see fit but you have someone like kyle rittenhouse uh and i'm sure COVID plays a role in this people are pent up there's a lot of anger there's a lot of aggression you know and people are ready to uh you know express themselves because they can't do that on a normal basis how do you feel like your administration would help to ease uh some of the tensions in this country and perhaps try to um mitigate some of the rhetoric coming from American politics today that would encourage someone like a Kyle Rittenhouse to go and commit these violent acts in the wonderful town of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Well, I guess I'm confused. And by the way, we're kind of neighbors. I grew up uh, near the Wisconsin state line. I grew up just south in Illinois. But I guess I'm confused as to why you call it Trumpism, because we have had those types of laws, as you said, that, you know, how to find out you're a criminal. In 1996, when I was running for VP, I had somebody tell me, well, I own a deli and OSHA has a rule that says that the floor can never be wet behind the counter. And yet the health department says that I'm required to wash it twice a day. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I follow. I'm I'm a criminal. So that was in 1996, 20 years before Trump. So I'm not going to blame Trump for that. And as far as the masks and staying home, I would suggest that the Democrats are even worse. And I'm appalled that Biden is suggesting that we wear masks outside and we might be shut down for another three months. But but to get to your last the last part of your question. And by the way, I'm a teacher. So I love multi-part questions <laughs> and notice I, notice I can keep up with them. I uh, love that. I mean, thank God. That's why, uh, you know, that's why I think you're a needed voice in American politics, because I don't think Biden or Trump could keep up with a single <laughs> question, let alone a multi-question. Yeah, not not without prompts, right? Exactly. So, uh, but the last part, and you know, you kind of mentioned the polarization. And I think the best example for this would be education, the kind of world we live in right now. If you want to send your kid to school, let's say, that has prayer, 
and your neighbor doesn't. You got to battle it out. You each, you each have to support your own candidate. You got to give money to your candidate, put signs out, get your friends to vote. And then finally you go to the ballot box. One of you is going to win. One of you is going to lose. And so, of course, we're polarized because we all have to agree on what to do in order to um, you know, you know, through government. And the libertarian way is the opposite. The libertarian way is, no, you don't vote at the ballot box. You vote with your feet or vote with your dollars. You keep your resources. If you want to send your kid to school with prayer in it, fine, you can do that. And if your neighbor doesn't, fine. And then that way you can get along because you both get what you want. That's right. what that's what we're looking for. Well, you know, I think it's interesting. And again, going kind of back to that, I, I agree with you, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, mass incarceration, these things are bipartisan. It's one of the few bipartisan things that we have in this country, unfortunately, is the uh, increase of the prison industrial complex and the military industrial complex. It seems like the federal government can only agree on the worst possible aspects that damage <laughs> the lives of American yeah. citizens. Yeah. So I so yeah. I feel I feel you on that. I was more discussing the rhetoric and the tone coming from Donald Trump and his administration regarding someone like a Kyle Rittenhouse uh, who felt motivated to go and commit those crimes. But when it comes to voting with your dollar, I am a big advocate for that. I believe that uh, in the free market, what we're seeing right now in this sort of late stage capitalism, when we have someone like a Walmart crying that Amazon is destroying them, we have someone like Jeff Bezos, who is making bank during, uh, you know, this 2020 outbreak uh, during the pandemic. Zuckerberg is doing great. The issue with voting for your dollar in the marketplace as it is right now, it seems to me like competition is being completely destroyed, completely done away with. Mom and pops are shuttered. Walmart started uh, destroying small towns all across this country. The race to the bottom is real. And now we have Amazon taking that uh, to another level. Amazon is Walmart basically on steroids. How would you address that issue? That's one of the concerns that I've heard when it comes to the Libertarian Party. And I, I know. I know the Libertarian Party very well, but can you express that a little? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, no, I would suggest that the Libertarian Party is the only option to fix that, because without big government, we don't have big corporations like that. For instance, you mentioned and I usually don't call them, but you know, call them by name. But fine, we can talk about Walmart and Amazon. During the coronavirus shutdown, the government said whether, whether it was the local governor or, you know, in, in, in my case, it was the the mayor who pretty much shut us down so right. you've got government who comes in and says nope mom and pop clothing stores you have to close you know sure. no nope, restaurants you have to close oh but walmart yeah you're free to stay open so you can't buy your clothes at a local uh clothing store but guess what you can buy your clothes at walmart therefore and I, i'm trying to remember what the numbers were but uh the, the first quarter profits january oh. to march increase yeah. this for Amazon and Walmart. Meanwhile, mom and pop stores, their profits went down on average in the first quarter, 75%. And keep in mind, that's average. That means that a lot of people went out of business. Yes. So yep. once, yeah, so once again, we've got one more example of big corporations uh, being propped up by big government. And if we would just get you know, the government back to doing what they should do instead of picking the winners and losers, then we could be free to vote with our dollars. But I would suggest that the reason that the big corporations 
corporations are, t- are taking over is because of big government. And going back to Amazon, mm. for example, you know, you've heard of states or localities in which they give them big tax breaks. Yep. So again, the mom and pop stores, they're paying their taxes, but Amazon doesn't have to. Again, this is government. This is not capitalism. You know, that is a really fascinating way to kind of um, split the difference and, and, and kind of parse that out. Because a lot of people do, when they think of libertarians, they think, oh, well, they must be completely in support of these massive corporations that are basically, for all intents and purposes, uh, acting as oligarchs. We right. seem as if our government and our corporations and, uh, you know, and I think, uh, you know, Trump has not helped this. And, and previous administrations, of course, have aided and abetted in, in these activities as well. And I feel like maybe for the Libertarian Party and, and with your candidacy, that's a really fascinating thing that you're trying to sort of explain that without the government tax breaks, without uh, the Foxconn deals like what happened in Wisconsin, which yes. was basically dog crap, they, these corporations would not thrive as well. Right. Now, let me quickly add, to me, it's fine that Amazon and Foxconn, that they don't pay taxes. But then that means that mom and pop stores don't pay taxes either, because putting money in the hands of government just gives them more power to do their evil work. So um, I'm fine with tax credits just so everybody gets them. Right. And it just doesn't seem like everybody does get them. So definitely when it comes to, you know, libertarian, I voted for Gary Johnson in 2016. I know Gary very well. One of the areas that is near and dear to my heart and near and dear to this show's agenda is talking about criminal justice reform. And I know the Libertarian Party has been uh, right and has been on the right side when it comes to criminal justice reform for a long time, going back to Ronald Reagan, uh, going back to the mass incarceration that started in 92 under Clinton and so on and so forth. Can you speak a little bit because I think this is really a massive issue for the first time in this country. When we're talking about criminal justice, we're not just talking about lock them up, put everyone away, throw away the key. We're mm-hmm. talking for the first time in this country about what mass incarceration has done to the communities, specifically poorer communities, white, black, brown, poorer communities are being devastated by what's happening right now in our criminal justice system, where we have a for-profit federal prison system. Can you speak a little bit about the prison industrial complex and what you would like to see um, when it comes to the federal government and how they are benefiting from people being incarcerated? And of course, and then you also have, as we have here in California, where inmates are fighting these massive fires that we have. I live in L.A. now uh, where inmates are fighting these massive fires as of uh, last week. Before last week, they weren't allowed to apply to become firefighters after they got off or after they got out of prison. Can you speak a little bit about your view and the Libertarians part of view when it comes to the federal government's role in uh, the prison state that we live in? I absolutely could not agree with you more. Here's the irony. You know, everybody says, well, libertarians, you know, you want such small government. Yeah, we do. However, um, you know, basically, we believe that government should be limited to police courts and military. So what's ironic here is that 
one of the very, very, very few functions that government should have is running the prisons. And that's one of the things that they hand out to everybody else. So here you've got government getting into all sorts of things that shouldn't, like deciding what kind of education you should give your kid, what kind of health care you should have, who you can buy your car insurance from. They've got all these ridiculous laws that government should have absolutely nothing to deal with, do with. But when it comes to something they should be doing, oh, sure, let's just hand this out um, to large corporations and have them handle it. This is absurd that we've got a system in which people earn a profit out of people going to jail. And, you know, we're the freest country in the world. We've got 5% of the world's population, but 20% of its inmates. And last, I would like to add that it is very racist. First of all, We've got, you know, even though whites and blacks use drugs at about the same rate, Mm -hmm. uh, there's something like six times the number of blacks in jail for drug use. And if you look at and a lot of people say, well, but maybe they just happen to get caught more often. Well, okay. well, first of all, you got to ask why that's happening. But more so, it's built right into the system. If you look at the length of prison term for uh, drugs that whites use compared to people of color, you'll see that they've got longer prison sentences. So even before they get caught, it's stacked against them. You know, and I think that's great that you clarified that because the Libertarian Party can sometimes get co-opted by people who might not necessarily agree that there is a racial disparity in our criminal justice system. And I feel like that is a uh, it it is just a statistical fact and it is just a reality. And so I I give you uh, credit for for really addressing that issue when it comes to what we're seeing right now. You know, we look at. Um, what happened with George Floyd? Uh, Derek Chauvin was uh, was arrested there in Minneapolis. Uh, we'll see what the grand jury decides. When it comes to Breonna Taylor, this no knock raid, uh, the mistaken home. I mean, she's now gone, uh, died at the hands of of the government for all intents and purposes. Yeah, uh, there is a grand jury. Uh, apparently, they're moving forward forward with that. Can you speak a little bit on? How we got to this point in this country with your experience, I know, again, you ran uh, in 96, you were the VP uh, with the Libertarian Party. You've been involved in these things in in public life in so many different aspects, again, with psychology and all of that. Can you explain how we have gotten into a society where cops can have a no-knock raid, which is just a home invasion, a complete and utter violation? I mean, I would almost say it's a violation of our Third Amendment when it comes to not not having to harbor you know military <laughs> and not having to harbor people in our homes um but they just can break in can you speak a little bit on how you would like to address those issues because again these are massive issues facing this country right now well first of all we need to end no knock raids period and you know i i i I think the biggest topic here to discuss is the war on drugs the failed Mm. war on drugs yeah despite how poorly it went in you know alcohol prohibition in the 1920s now we're doing the same thing all over again and let me mention i'm not a drug user never have been and you know a lot of people when they hear us talking about getting rid of the drug drug war they say well but i don't use illegal drugs i don't care about this but i don't know mrs jorgensen i can i can smell the marijuana coming from you right now i know no i'm just joking i know i know mr gary johnson has a much different approach than you on that yeah well yes and somehow i was in high school and college in the 70s and somehow i made it 
through high school and college in the 70s, never having tried it. Um, I, jokingly, <laughs> I jokingly say that bourbon is my drug of choice because, yes, alcohol is a drug. Yes, and it is. by the way, yes, I do realize it's far more dangerous than marijuana. The old right. joke goes that the only way um, you get killed by marijuana is if a, bu- a bale of it falls on your head. That's absolutely true. <laughs> and I can tell you as somebody with a um, graduate certificate in drug and addiction studies that yes, alcohol is horrible for you. Um, yes. It uses different neurotransmitter pathways. It's it, it just our brains, our, our, our brains and our nervous system treat it differently. So, um, so no, it, I, you know, if you're out there listening and you've never used drugs and don't plan to, this is still important to you. And yeah. the questions that I ask is, when's the last time you heard of a liquor store owner going up and down the halls of a high school trying to push gin on high school students? Right. Or when's the last time you heard of a vodka addict breaking into houses to try to support a vodka habit? Or when's the last time you heard of two liquor store owners having a shootout over the best corner? These are all prohibition problems, yeah. not drug problems. And so we get completely innocent people like Brianna Taylor. I mean, it's possible that, and, and, and I don't know anything about her background, but it doesn't matter because all right. I know is that she, you know, she was working for EMS and she was trying to be an upstanding citizen. Here's the thing. You could be a teetotaling Mormon, never even having had a cup of coffee or alcohol in your life, and you could still be killed by one of these. And it is just government gone crazy. And, you know, it's just what they, you know, and, and you have to probably have somewhat of a political science degree here to talk in much depth. But I do know that we were warned a couple hundred years ago that as soon as people realized they could vote themselves power, vote themselves money, they would do that. And that's right. what they've done. They, they just every year go power crazy. And, 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 and you know, I, I, I don't know if you think this is a big deal or not. I think it's a huge deal. What I'm about to yeah. lead up to might sound trivial to some people, but you know, Nancy Pelosi, who thinks it's her in her power to lock us all down, tell us we can't go out. And yet it's okay for her to go to the hair salon. So right. it's illegal for me to go, oh, but you can go. It's Animal Farm all over again. And to me, it's that kind of attitude, that kind of elite. And one last thing, a lot of people ask me, well, um, uh, I guess, you know, since you're interested in politics, you must have run for what student class president or student council. Sure. And my, my answer is an appalled no. I, you know, <laughs> I hated the idea that an elite small group of people in my school could make rules for the rest of us. It's like, how, how is that fair? So I'm doing this more as self-defense. And I would say voting libertarian is an act of self-defense to get you on track, you know, to get your power back from these people in Washington who, I mean, we didn't think it could get any more absurd than, I don't, you know, in the early 90s, one of the big outrages was um, people in Congress who got free haircuts. Right. Uh, Well, at least we could get our own haircuts. We had to pay for them, but we got haircuts. Um, Whereas now they're telling us, no, you can't get haircuts, but we can. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. You mentioned political science. Thankfully, I have my degree in political science, which is so fun because we can have this conversation. And that's what the audience loves so much about, you know, speaking with different candidates from across the spectrum. Uh, When we get into these things, I think, you know, you're you are correct that there are massive amounts of concern and people who aren't necessarily immediately affected 
by certain systemic issues in this country are beginning to wake up and realize that it does affect them. It does affect this nation. And specifically, you mentioned the early 90s, just sticking with criminal justice, because I feel like this is the civil rights issue of our time. Yep. The demilitarization of the police must happen. What happened in the 90s with the 1033 program, with you know these just massive uh, influxes of military goods uh, being flooded on the streets of America, like places such as Kenosha, Wisconsin, Mm-hmm. Uh, these people have tanks. These these police uh, departments have gone completely insane because their budgets are a couple million bucks. If they don't spend everything, uh, then their budget's going to get cut. They have an incentive to buy more military goods. Can you explain the militarization of police in the context of the militarization that we have spread across this world. So we have the situation with the drones in in Pakistan, for example. I was just talking about this on a different show that I do here on the LPN network. Mm -hmm. There was an interview with a child in Pakistan, and it was heartbreaking because he said, I only like cloudy days because then I can't see the drones above our head. Of course, these are militarized drones that that, that can destroy uh, the livelihood of those people on the on the ground so can you explain a little bit in your i I know this is again this is another multi-part question (laughs) but how the militarization of the police corresponds with how we have militarized uh the world and how we have sort of attempted to you know as we've seen in the forever war we're just coming up on uh we we just had the anniversary of 9-11 obviously so tragic and sad but can you explain a little bit how the militarization that we have seen uh, has now come into every American street. Well, let me start by give you know, by summing it up and saying that I don't want to see us at war with other countries, and I certainly don't want to see us at war with our own citizens, and that's what's happening. And we're talking about, um, you know, you were saying about them not, you know, having to spend their money. If if you look at it from the other end. Imagine if they had a referendum, a local referendum, where you go, you vote at the ballot box, and they want to know, do you want your local taxes raised um, in order for us to buy a tank for our police? I mean, most people would say, oh, my gosh, no. They would say, you know what? We'd rather keep that extra money, maybe go on a nicer vacation, go out to a nicer restaurant. But instead, the federal government takes our money and then chooses to buy tanks and then hands it back to the police departments. And, you know, they're like, here, do you want this tank? Well, most police departments aren't going to say no. Absolutely. They're going to say, well, you know what? This is our um, money and we paid for it with our taxes. And we certainly don't want the people in Alabama, you know, Wyoming, California, wherever. We certainly don't want them to end up with our tax dollars. So, of course, they're not going to say no. So then, so what we have is money that we would not choose, that we would not voluntarily choose to spend on something, get spent for us anyway, because that's what the federal government does. That, that happens in education. It happens in crime. It happens in all of these local issues because crime, like education, is a local issue and should yep. be handled at the local level. When it comes to education, we can move on from the militarization of police here, because I think, you know, there is a large consensus or at the very least people are waking up to this reality. Uh, and again, it can affect you, even, even if you are not someone, uh, you know, who thinks they're being who thinks they're marginalized or whatever. This stuff happens. And these unless we get 
control of this problem now, it's only going to get worse. We're seeing what's happening uh, on the streets of Portland. We saw what happened when Donald Trump had his photo op where he held the Bible upside down outside of the church as William Barr watched, uh, lorded over the uh, dispersion of a peaceful First Amendment allowed protest in Washington. Do you mind if I interrupt you and tell you I actually visited that church? It is a beautiful church. Yeah. I mean, it's a historic church. And I, you know, and and, and that's why I felt like that for me, that was one of those like, damn, dude, like this is getting (laughs) not not. And, and, you know, this isn't like it's like getting out of control. It has been out of control. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. And especially with someone with your history in education and just your experience when it comes to just being in public life, I am sure that you have seen these things occur throughout the generations. So just when it comes to education, I know you're someone who is well-educated. How do you think the government or what role do you want to see the government play? Because I firmly believe we have to end how we fund schools. So we fund schools right now based on municipality. So if your municipality doesn't have a lot of cash, hey, your school doesn't have a lot of cash. You see this wealth discrepancy be solidified by how we fund schools. How would you like to see us fund our public schools? Or are you of the of the mind where we don't where you don't even think that we should have public schools? Because there are some libertarians who go as far as saying the government shouldn't even have schools. Uh, what what are your thoughts on education and how would you approach someone uh, on the campaign trail who asks you, how am I going to get my child an education they need in order to succeed in this country? Because you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. If you go to college, you're in debt, $90,000, 100K. And if you don't go to college, you're not in debt, but you ain't going to make no money. You're very good at these multi-part questions, aren't you? <laughs> I, I I do talk a lot. <laughs> I should have had my uh, I should have my paper and pencil ready so that I could uh, write all these down. But let me back up. I don't think that the government can do anything better than individuals, better than private citizens getting together and doing something. Now, here's where I differ from. Uh, let's say Trump or Biden, which is that I believe that education is a local issue and that I shouldn't get involved in basically education because it's a local level. So we've got Trump out there saying, oh, you only get money if uh, you open or, you know, you should all open. Well, you know, the needs of the students in Appalachia, rural Appalachia, much different than the students in downtown New York City or Kenosha, Wisconsin. So how about we let each individual community decide what's best for them? So at the federal level, what I would do is I would get rid of the Department of Education, because what happens is 
the local, you know, uh, local taxpayers, again, send their money to the federal government. They keep a whole bunch of it and spend and send a small fraction back to the communities. So uh, why would we want to do that? How about you let the local people keep their money and then they would spend more of it? In fact, we've done estimates mm -hmm. in our campaign that probably about $1,500 per student somehow gets to the federal government. In other words, wow. if we didn't have the Department of Education, if we didn't have the government involved, it, it, it's it's easily 500, but probably closer to 1500, where you would just have that extra money to spend on the students. So why would you send it to the federal government? And then the federal government comes up and you know tells you how you should run your school. And again, we've got different people, different religions, different values around the country. We should be able to run our own schools. And last, anytime you send money to the government, federal government, they put strings, they attach, you know, strings. And then, yep. um, and, and, you know, look at Elizabeth Dole, who was transportation secretary in the nineties. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. she was Bob Dole's wife right? Uh, who ran for president Republican. And what she Still did alive, by the way, wow. That, that's right. <laughs> I, think I, think I did hear that. That's pretty it's amazing. amazing. <laughs> I, I remember in 1996, I didn't think he was alive on the campaign trail, but he's still around today. <laughs> Well, good for him. I hope hey, hey, I'm, I'm fine with that. Absolutely. More people alive. I'm fine with that. Yes. So, well, that that makes you different from the liberals since, you know, they um, they don't want to even have kids now. So they don't want people alive. But that's another story. So what Elizabeth uh, Dole did was she took our money. Right. Gave it, you know, you know, people had to give their money to the federal government. And then she um, she said, uh okay states do you want your highway money back yes. you gotta raise your drinking age and you know when i went to when i went to school one fact yeah okay i now i actually didn't drink in high school and i won't go into the long story but um yeah i was kind of a big goody two-shoes but i know that uh in in when i was in high school the drinking age was 21 in Illinois, but 18 in Wisconsin. Yes, it was. They they called it, uh, it was, uh, and all the kids would come down uh, in drinking Wisconsin, and then they would drive on 94, I-94, and then a lot of accidents and stuff like that. Well, Lake yeah. Geneva. Lake Geneva was the place that I always heard of. Oh, so, yeah, of course. Yeah. So anyway, so kids in my school would go up to Lake Geneva. So, uh, so what she said is, okay, you have to raise a drinking age at 21. Now you and I can get into a debate over maybe the drinking age should be twenty one, and with the I think it should be twelve. That's when I started drinking. <laughs> well, with, well with that's those, a joke. It should not be twelve. Yes, yes. I know you got to explain that to liberals so they don't get it. So, um, yeah, and but I understood that to be a joke. And, and, and with all the liberal, liberals are good with jokes. They're they're good. They got it. Okay, okay. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, so perhaps twenty one is a better drinking age with all the accidents. Sure. But here's the thing. Do we want the federal, is it the federal government's job to tell the states what their drinking age should be? And I say no. So you give your highway money to uh, the federal government, then they tell you what your drinking age should be. You give your tax dollars to the federal government, then they tell you what standards you have to meet. You know, yeah. it, there's always strings attached. There are. And 
Yeah, and yes. people forget, you know, they, they, they say, oh, they want to go to the federal government for money. They want handouts. Well, th- that money came from somewhere. It came from you. How about you keep it and then you make your own decisions? And, you know, when it comes to education, and I thank you so much. Again, we're speaking with Joe Jorgensen. Uh, she is the libertarian candidate for president. Um, so when it comes to education, I think we can agree. Uh, and this is I this to me should be as bipartisan as the need for oxygen the bureaucracy in education needs to be done with we pay more per student than any other country and our education is failing there is something wrong with the system can you speak a little bit on and i want to get to you on immigration uh and a little bit on economics because i know you you've been sort of you know dissing on the liberals a little bit which is of course totally fine you can, we can diss on everybody um <laughs> but when it comes to immigration and uh, and economics i don't think that you're so much in line uh, with where the conservative party is right now. Right. Um, but just lastly, with education, when it comes to the bureaucracy, how the hell do we roll this back? How do we put the genie back in the bottle when so many people are profiting, so many hands are I- in the coffer, and by the time the money gets down to the damn kids, uh, there ain't nothing left, and we have teachers buying their own school supplies. We have, we have, oh. we, we are just so, you know, I'm just gonna say that we're, we're screwed right now on education. How would you like to see that bureaucracy done away with? And, and how how do you do that? Yeah, well, the easiest. Well, first of all, you have to elect a libertarian president. That's step one. And step two, the libertarian president actually holds Congress to where they, you know, holds their power back. You know, one of the things I'd like to dispel, the, the myth I'd like the, to dispel is that Ronald Reagan gave a smaller government. Right. Everybody that is said, very true. Oh, can't we go back to the days of Ronald Reagan? What they don't realize is that he made government bigger yes, day after day after day. Eight, or I'm sorry, not day after day. Well, yeah, probably literally day after day, but, but yep. year after year after year is what I meant to say for eight straight years and the people closest to him said well what do you expect uh, the congress never gave him a balanced budget right if they gave me a budget that wasn't balanced or that was higher i'd say nope take it back sharpen your pencil do it again absolutely Um, i i you know i'm a teacher i know how to hand back papers that aren't good enough and tell them to fix it so Mm -hmm. i would tell congress you need to fix it send it back to me again now could they override me sure but i would make it very difficult for them I would that would require them to function which right. i don't think they have the ability to do at this point right i would put a lot of obstacles in their way so so what we need to do as i mentioned is get rid of the department of education there's no reason to send your dollars to washington and then beg for them back and to only get a fraction so let's and and now i can't single-handedly get rid of the department of education but what i can do is tell them to start defunding it you know we talk about defunding stuff how about we start with the department of education since it's only making things worse and not better and uh and by the way that does bring up one other thing as far as what i can do and what i need the help of congress what i can do as commander-in-chief that i don't even need help from congress with and what i plan to do is on day one bring the troops home and turn America into one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. Absolutely, we have to defend our shores, but there's no reason for us to be 
in 150 countries around the world. And we spend more than the next seven countries combined. That's absurd. We right. need to just protect ourselves. And, you know, we keep hearing how great France is. They get five-week vacations. Well, yeah, maybe if they were paying for their own military instead of us paying for it, maybe we'd get five-week vacations too. You know, that, that's ridiculous. Well, and, and of course, you know, that that's actually a good segue. It's interesting you mentioned Switzerland. Of course, I don't think that would – do you consider a lot of – like? When, when Bernie was running, you know, a lot of people were talking about, you know, uh, Switzerland and a lot of the more, um, you know, Iceland, some of the more, you know, kind of the more Nordic view of, of government. Um, but they wouldn't be considered libertarian, do you think? No, no, no. Um, and in fact, I do not like their internal gun laws because you have to fill out, you actually have to fill out a lot of paperwork just to be able to own a gun. I'm just talking about the fact, and the reason I, I compare it to Switzerland is because when I say I want to bring the troops home, then sometimes right. people say, oh, pacifist, oh, isolationist. And it's like, no, Switzerland defends itself. And oh, by the way, you know, Switzerland is a banking center. They have tourist people come and go. You know, it, you don't have to be an isolationist or a pacifist just to defend your own borders which is what i'm suggesting well and that is a great segue to our kind of our last uh conversation here that i want to talk about when it comes to immigration obviously 2016 immigration was on the forefront uh i believe criminal justice is sort of is the new immigration in the sense that that is an important political issue as it was more it's more important now than i think in 2016 but immigration 2016 build the wall build the wall uh you know obviously we have fraud going on steve bannon was arrested on a multi-million yes. dollar yacht for his build the wall fund that went nowhere speaking oh. of corruption it's unbelievable how do you what's your view of america as uh, a place that uh, you know what's your what's your view on immigration I, I know that you are against the wall and things like that but how uh, explain your your view on that for the audience well first of all i am somewhat biased although I, that still puts me in line with the libertarian view. Three of my four grandparents are immigrants. Yeah. And when I was growing up, I would listen to my grandmother tell me how horrible the old country was, how you could work and work and work, you can work extra jobs, and it didn't matter because the government took all the extra money because they wanted everybody to uh, be the same. Sure. And by the way, my grandmother grew up in Denmark, not the Soviet Union, so we keep hearing how great it is over there. Um, unfortunately, we're becoming more like Denmark. So anyway, um, you know, before the 1920s, we had open borders uh, and, and it made our country better. It made us more productive. And if you look at the numbers, our GDP goes up um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with uh, immigration. And, you know, if you watch mainstream media, especially Ugh. one particular news channel, you get the idea that immigrants come over here to purposely drive drunk and kill us. Right. And that's unfortunate that accidents happen, but it, it, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with being an immigrant. And no. I'd like to quote one writer and say, you know, that would be like, um, if somebody with red hair uh, drives drunk and kills somebody, you don't say, okay, now we're not going to let redheaded people drive. I have red hair. Good Lord. <laughs> let, let me drive. I just got a truck. Yes. And by the <laughs> way, so so does my husband. He has red hair too. But that was his example, so I'm passing it along. But, but, the, <laughs> but, but the point is, or the, the statistic I'm getting at is that, or getting to, is that most, if you look at the crime rate per capita, 
people born on foreign soil commit fewer crimes than people born on American soil. Right, right. So case closed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I am completely with you on that. And then when it comes to trade, that's one of the interesting things about Donald Trump and where the Republican Party has gone. He's not for free trade. And I don't no. fully understand how um, uh, supposed free market conservatives at this point are supporting someone like a Donald Trump in that way, because we have been a country of free trade for a long time, and it has been extremely beneficial for the world in many ways. Can you what what's your stance on on trade and, and where you would like to see the U.S. go as far as, you know, we have the Chinese tariffs, which are hurting the American farmer. We have all of these things going on economically that I don't think align with libertarianism, conservatism or liberalism. Right. And and yeah, first, let me address the, the Trump issue. It really is surprising, although, you know, here, here's the thing. It it demonstrates the frustration of not only the Republican voters, but the independent voters as well. And yeah. that's how he got elected, people who hadn't voted in years. So they were just frustrated and wanted an outsider, which I completely understand that. In fact, I would like them to vote me in as an outsider. But yes, I'd like to point out that you know, the, the Republican Party has historically been the party of free trade, historically been the party of reduced deficits, getting rid of the debt. And he's the opposite of that. But we absolutely need free trade because, of course, as you know, when goods cross borders, troops don't have to. Yes. So we need to be good to our neighbors and look at China. We absolutely cannot get into a war with China because no. we could both blow each other up. Absolutely. So so how about let's be friends and have trade so that we can benefit each other. And, you know, I, I, if we look at Japan, for instance, who bombed us, bombed us, uh, bombed Pearl Harbor sure. to World War Two, which, by the way, some historians say that that's because of trade issues. But the point now is, you know what? Japan's not going to bomb us now because of all the Toyotas and Hondas we buy. You tend to not bomb your best customers. Right. So how that's about a good let's point. do that with China? That is a I think that that is a very solid point. And when it comes to some of the good things that can come from the global market, I think you really hit it on the head. You know, when you when you have goods and when you have a economic interest in both parties being successful, you're not going to tear each other down. Right. And as we see with with what's going on, I mean, I, the idea, honestly, it keeps me up. <laughs> Truly, if, if I smoke a little bit of weed that I know you don't smoke, but if I smoke just a little bit, I do get very concerned about some of the rhetoric coming from this administration regarding China. We cannot afford another right. war in this country. Nope. Nope. We can't. We li literally. OK, first of all, the senseless lives lost. But literally, yes. we can't foot the bill for it. Do you feel like and this is just like, thank you so much again, Joy Jorgensen. Uh, she is the libertarian candidate for president. Check her out. Uh, you can go to her website and I'll be able I'll plug all of that stuff. Um, Wait, can I you, can I give my website? Real of quick? course, please. It's uh, Joe 20. Um, that's jo20.com. And I'd like to point out, I mentioned this earlier, but for somebody who tuned in late, uh, that 75% of our volunteers are from outside the party. So there are a lot of people out there just getting sick of the old system. So please check us out. S speaking of the party, thank you for beating Justin Amash. Justin Amash <laughs> just being, it's such a corporate 
typical Republican shill, like the, the audacity that he would run as a libertarian and then he didn't even make it to the vote. I was like, what a freaking putz. Well, I never I never attacked him for his lack of being a libertarian. I just thought he should have you know, gotten into the debates a little earlier so we yeah, could. Yeah, he thought he could just walk in. Yeah, I, I, I think you need to kick the tire, look under the hood to see what you're getting. So I agree. And I love that uh, in this case, he's the tire. And Joe Jorgensen has just said she, you, you should kick Justin Amash. No, I'm just joking. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the show and, and explaining your positions a little bit. Obviously, there's there's much more we could get to healthcare and things like that. Which oh, are, my gosh. We didn't talk. About, OK, promise to have me back. Yes. And, and if you have two minutes on healthcare, um, Oh, no, I need 10 for healthcare. You That's need 10 what, for healthcare. That, well, that is life or death healthcare. So so we need, you know, we need to make this a teaser and have people come back to hear about healthcare. Hey, I absolutely love it. And Joe Jorgensen, um, your pitch to the American people. If this is if it's one of those debates, they're like, you have 14 seconds to make your pitch. Um, what do you want people to take away from this conversation? And, and how do you want people, uh, you know, just how do you want people to perceive you? I want people to perceive me as the unpolitician. I'm going to say that you know best what's best for you, not the politicians, special interests and bureaucrats in Washington. And that's why I'm running for government because or running for president because government is too big, too bossy, too nosy, too intrusive. And you know best what's best for you. So check us out at JO20.com and uh, let's have a system where you make your own decisions and you get to spend your own money and you get to go to work and go to the hair salon, too, if you want. There you go. Thank you so much. Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate for president. I want to thank her and her campaign for uh, spending so much time with us. 50 minutes. That yeah. was awesome. Glaring omission of the bat. I know. Story. I didn't. I, Glaring. I, I didn't think it mattered to the American people. No, I really didn't think like maybe she was bit by a bat. I don't freaking know. But don't you want a superhero for president? Is that, that going to make her a superhero? No, Batman wasn't bit by bats, was he? <laughs> no. That's how Catwoman was created. I just looked at I just looked at Joe Jorgensen's Twitter. That is all she is responding to is that question. Did you turn into a bat? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's America, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes. Thank you all so much for listening. And, Travis, you had one more story you wanted oh, to I, get I, to? I, you know, weird times. Weird times? I think it's safe to say weird times. Weird times. I just, uh, another one of these stories, a tweet that I thought was very surprising. The city of Oakland put out a tweet that offered to anyone who needed them okay. uh, a senior citizen home and a, a couple libraries in Oakland where you could use these spaces as air respite locations. Air respite? A library is not... I thought it was all stuffy and bad in there. No. Well, th- that air is That's now super good. It's primo air in these libraries. Because everything's on fire? Because of the smoke screen that is the miasma that has fallen upon the west coast uh, overall yo bro we moved here and this shit got on fire <laughs> like i don't know what happened dude i do I feel like feel, as soon as we got to yeah. la la is like oh by the way welcome uh and here's here's gonna here's a parade of flames for you guys if i if you know like if i had didn't know any better i must have like smashed several mirrors on the trip over here i don't from know New what York. happened bro i went under a bunch of ladders or something but followed a bunch of black cats and th- so that's what we got going on, on the west coast we need air respite centers we need rooms to escape the air and then <sighs> uh another story that i thought was pretty incredible just uh going out here thick clouds of mosquitoes kill livestock after hurricane laura 
Oh so my, that's there horrifying. are there are thick clouds. <laughs> like we have smoke. I, ne- I, let, I, I only want that to be a reference to weed. I no. never want to hear thick we, clouds of mosquitoes. Are some, I didn't have that on my 2020 bingo, to be honest. There are some fat rips of, oh. of mosquitoes descending is, on this. cattle in Louisiana after Hurricane Laura. So thick that it completely covers the cow and fucking piranha? it drinks all of their blood until they die. And uh, oh. there are pictures of cows with just, they look like um, wool sweaters oh, that the cows are wearing cow. of mosquitoes. You got to kill that cow immediately. Some end little, times. Is it going to ruin the meat? It probably don't. I bet you. Well, best. you can't use, it's gone. Like it's this. Mm. Also, do you really want the like meat that is 100% absolutely <laughs> bound to have malaria? <laughs> Mosquito bitten cow meat. Yeah. But uh, 2020. Just, it just seems like it's all over. Yeah, you know what? You know. Uh, but in the defense of the mosquito, which I actually hate the mosquito, but you know the one thing they do? They protect the forest. Because they're so dense that uh, oftentimes people can't go in there to uh, destroy the rainforest. I guess so. That was one thing I saw on TV about 10 years ago. I guess so. That's what I was that told. Seems like a, that seems like a an article written by a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> it was a mosquito enthusiast, which I don't know why. They're, they're just parasites. Um, they're disgusting and horrible creatures from hell. But anyway. All right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's Top Hat. Hope you're doing as good as you can out there. Stay positive And uh, yeah, just be, as you know, wear the mask. Be safe. Uh, in, if you're in an enclosed space, I don't want to get into this, but just fucking wear sanit- hand sanitizer and just live your life. You will be okay, I promise you. Okay, everyone, thank you for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.